everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of 30 Minute Nutrition. I'm Ani Weeks, your host, and today we're just doing a quick Q&A, and it's also, sadly, <laughs> our last episode of this season. I'm going to be taking a break until September um, and planning lots of guests to come on, hopefully, and just getting a little bit clearer vision for season two. So we'll be back, I'm sure, in no time, <laughs> but just wanted to warn you guys. Let's start with our introductory segments. This week I'm currently craving. Um, honestly, I haven't had any really significant cravings this week. Um, anything that'll keep us cool, really. <laughs> it's not too hot here in Utah, but it's been getting warmer. And honestly, just like more salads, things that we don't quite have to heat up or heat up the house very much has been on our menu and have been on my mind. So um, our weird food news to begin with today, I thought this was really apt since we just celebrated Father's Day, but I saw a, um, I don't know if it was a study or just some experts that got together, but they were talking about the role fathers play in children's health habits. And because it was just Father's Day, I thought this was just a really good uh, point to touch on. Um, how parents model eating behaviors for children is really important. And um, there's only a certain amount, obviously, that our genetics play a role in. And a lot of children learn habits from the adults in their lives and the authority figures in their lives, um, fathers being chief among that usually. So uh, just something to think about. I think that's an awesome way to influence your kids' lives as a, I know the majority of my listeners are women, but for the like male out there, maybe there's a single or two um, or three, maybe, you know, men that listen. And if you're a father, just keep that in mind. That's a good way to um, influence your kids' lives um, and the young people around you, even if you're not a dad. So just a good thing to know. All right, as I mentioned before, today is just a quick Q&A episode. I think it'll be rather short, although I've said that before and episodes have been pushing on the 29, 30-minute mark. But um, these are actually questions I get asked so often that I have put them at the bottom of my About page. So in addition to having them here, I'll also have them, um, I'll link my About page in the show notes. It's also just at aniweeks.com slash about. So pretty easy to access. You'll find some general information about me on there, um, as well as some frequently asked questions about just diet techs in general, because there's fewer of them than our dietitians. So um, if you just kind of want to know more about the profession, there's a couple places on there to learn that. And then of course I have my NDTR talk episodes and those aren't going anywhere when I come back for season two of the podcast. Um, those will also be there. So, um, and yes, I, I debated whether to take a break and I just decided for me, we're in a really busy season of life right now. And I wanted to make sure that I come back for season two, really recharged and just with a little bit clearer. Um, I had a hard time getting guests on for this first season. Um, I'm so glad we got Georgia on, uh, but I definitely wanted to plan a little bit more ahead and make sure um, every, you know, maybe fifth episode or something like that would have um, a guest on. So hopefully that will come to fruition for season two. But I did want to end, I know you've probably gotten to know me if you're a new listener a little bit by listening to these first 20 or so episodes. But there are some questions I just get all the time. So, and again, I put them on my about page because I get asked so frequently. Um, but one thing I've learned is that um, not a lot of people have time to kind of look around all the resources on the website and they want it in podcast form, format. So 
um, I thought, why not do a podcast episode with some of these questions? So um, one of the most common questions I get is, do I follow a specific diet? Um, and this isn't just for me. This is something I feel like all dietitians and diet techs get. <laughs> um, and again, I'll have to offer the disclaimer here that this is just my experience, my professional experience, and you should definitely see your personal healthcare provider and personal dietitian if you want more individualized advice. But for me personally, I don't really follow a specific formal diet. My goal is to eat as balanced as possible, and I know balanced is kind of a buzzword these days. Um, but the only real rule I follow is I just try to avoid foods that are inflammatory to me personally. I've been really lucky to have genetic and other types of testing to tell me what my body specifically responds to poorly. Um, and I just follow that. So I don't really ascribe to anyone else's, um, you know, inflammatory protocol. <laughs> I just know what makes me feel poorly personally and um, have done a lot of work behind the scenes to get really in tune with my own body um, and understand the symptoms and the effects that come from eating foods that, uh, you know, cause me inflammation personally. So I try not to tell other people exactly what those foods are because I don't want them to avoid them. Um, I guess one example I will give is gluten for me personally. I know it's inflammatory and I know I've, I've had testing to tell me that, that um, my body is sensitive to it. So for me, that's one I follow, but I don't tell other people to avoid gluten, if that makes sense. So I guess if I had to kind of put it in a sentence, I really, I try to eat just nourishing whole foods as often as possible. Um, I try not to limit myself on like fruits and vegetables and, um, you know, I opt for whole grains and all that kind of thing. Um, so I guess when I say I try to eat balanced, I just I try to fuel my body with foods I know are going to make it feel good and get me through the day. Um, but that being said, I do, obviously, I have a sweet tooth. I <laughs> enjoy my sweets as well. So um, I try not to have such a strict mindset and and more just pay attention to what my body's telling me, um, I guess would be kind of the, the diet that I follow. <laughs> so again, that's a really common question. If you work in the nutrition field, we get asked that a lot. Okay, uh, the next question I get asked a lot is what services do I offer? Now this has changed. I've been in business for almost five years and this has changed over that five years. So it's a very uh, reasonable question to ask because sometimes it changes. Um, at this season of my business, I'm mainly focusing on copywriting. Um, I used to, and when by copywriting, I usually do blogs for uh, dietitians or uh, doctors or meal companies, supplement companies, that kind of thing. In the past, I've done some coaching, some branding, some website design. I've enjoyed all of that, but I knew in the season of life, I was going to spread myself a little too thin <laughs> by doing all the things and copywriting is what I enjoy most. So I work with a lot of um, SEO specialists of different companies or marketing teams, and I just love being in that space. And um, as many of you know, I've had chronic illness. And uh, when I was in a really severe period of time where I had lots of symptoms, sometimes I couldn't, you know, leave all the time to go to the doctor. I don't have to kind of figure out how to get practical tips online and through online resources. And so that's kind of where my heart lies. I love creating those online handouts or blogs. Um, that are really evidence-based so people can still get 
um, reputable information without having to necessarily, um, you know, travel many miles to go see a doctor or um, go out of their way when they're not feeling well. So um, because that helped me so much, I, I kind of knew when I entered the field, that's what I wanted to do. And so um, during busier seasons of life, I'll kind of pare my business down to just copywriting. Um, if you're interested in seeing portfolios, I have those linked all on my website as well. So you can see kind of an example of what I've done. Um, and of course you can get in touch with me. I might not have the bandwidth to take on a lot of extra clients right now, but certainly in the future, I'd love to get in touch with you. Um, I have a really good, really like running relationship with, uh, I still, I don't know if I said that correctly, but I have a good, um, standing relationship with many of my past clients as well. And just love to keep in touch and know what you're doing. So, um, even if we don't get the privilege of working together right now, I would love to just learn more about you and your needs and maybe pass you on to someone who does have some more time and um, flexibility in their schedule. So um, that being said, I do, if you are not in a place where you want to pay for services right now, I have a ton of free resources. In fact, I have a free resources tab on my website and maybe I'll link that in the show notes as well. So if you're like, I don't really care to hire you right now, but I do kind of want to see what you're doing. That's a great place to be. Um, as well as my blog, of course, everything on my personal blog is free. So you can go and um, with the exception of maybe um, signing up for uh, my newsletter to download certain things, you can get everything there with uh, no strings attached. And there's just lots of good information. All right. Okay, next question. Another question I get a lot is what is one thing I can do right now to eat better? <laughs> Which is kind of funny because, of course, we need a ton of sustainable habits to create a healthy lifestyle. But when people talk to me and maybe I just have a couple minutes to chat with them, this question comes up a lot. What is one thing I can do right now? One thing I always tell people is to create a more balanced plate with a variety of fruits and vegetables. So um, if you're not familiar with the most recent kind of diagram for a healthy plate, um, I think growing up for a lot of people, it was the food pyramid and the idea is kind of outdated now. Um, and what they have right now is called my plate. And it's, it's literally looks like a plate. And what I always tell people is just try to get more fruits and vegetables to fill up that plate. It's a really good visual. Um, if you're feeling like you already eat fruits and vegetables and you just don't really get full from them, one thing you can do within that kind of a sub goal <laughs> or an aim within that overarching goal um, is to find fueling fruits and veggies. And what I mean by this is there's certain nutrients that help you feel full for longer. And there's really three of them and it's fiber, protein, and healthy fats. So if you can find fruits and vegetables with those things, um, that can help you feel more full. Um, another thing too, you could add more whole grains, nuts or seeds or lean protein to your diet. And those things have those um, fiber, protein, and healthy fat components as well, usually. Um, and again, just the more variety, you don't necessarily need a whole entire rainbow on your plate, but sometimes that's a good way to measure uh, how balanced your plate is. So I usually tell people to start, um, you can go to myplate.gov, I believe. Um, I've had some trouble accessing the government sites lately. I think they're doing some upkeep, <laughs> or maybe it's just my personal computer that's struggling to get there. But anyway, that's one thing you can do right now is just kind of evaluate your plate and see where you're at and how you're doing. And a lot of times um, when people really evaluate what they're eating, they notice, yeah, I could be eating more fruits, vegetables, and some of those 
uh, you know, whole grains, lean proteins, things that are a little more of a healthy choice. So um, again, just start, there's, it's really hard. So I've never met someone who's like overeaten fruits and veggies. <laughs> so um, that's a great place to start, um, especially if you feel like you're kind of slipping on snacks or desserts. Um, a lot of times if you reach for a fruit or veggie first, I know at our house, we like to have just fresh berries on hand at all times. It can be frustrating because they do go bad a little bit quicker, but um, for us, it's a just a great way to know that we're making a healthy choice when we reach for something in the fridge. So that would definitely be one tip I would give you. Another question I get a lot is, I want to lose weight. What should I do? <laughs> a lot of times people say, I want to be healthier, but really what they're saying is I could really... I just really want to lose a couple of pounds. Um, for me, this sounds so counterintuitive, but what I tell people is to really cultivate an abundance mindset. A lot of times when people set off to lose weight, they start restricting a ton. Um, and it, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but um, when we're not eating enough, our bodies don't have the fuel they need to really uh, lose weight in a healthy way. Uh, it kind of puts the body in survival mode. So what I tell people is focus more on what you can eat rather than what you can't and just restricting, restricting, restricting. Um, eating from a fear-based point of view, just it's not a healthy way to live usually. Um, I've never met anyone who is like afraid of eating and is feeling also very healthy about it. Um, it, of course, I'm simplifying this a lot. It helps to work with like a therapist or um, a dietitian to get through this process. But shifting that mindset to focus on what you can have instead of what you can't can be really, really helpful when you're wanting to lose weight. Uh, because like I said before, it's it's hard to overeat <laughs> like fruits and veggies and things that are really nutrient rich. Um, it's possible, but it's a little bit harder to do. Um, and so if you kind of train your brain to think, oh, like I can eat you know, if you, if what you need to do to lose weight is to eat more fruits and vegetables, um, thinking in that mindset is going to really help you as you set on that journey. So that should be pretty helpful for you. And um, another thing is, like I said before, this is something I do. And I've been in a time period where I also probably want to lose a couple pounds. So I'm right there with you. Um, but focusing on those whole nourishing foods just helps to train your mind um, to choose fueling foods over ones that maybe aren't as beneficial for you that are a little bit more nutrient poor. So again, I guess one way to say that would just be think about think in an abundance mindset, <laughs> try to focus on what you can eat rather than what you can't. So lots of um, more nuances there, of course, but uh, that's kind of the tip I give to people, even though it might sound counterintuitive. So, okay, these next couple questions, and I get these a lot because, of course, I'm an NDTR, <laughs> if you haven't heard. <laughs> um, but these are really common questions I get in relation to my profession. So if you're not interested in these, you can skip to the end of the episode, and I'll see you in September. But if you um, are, this is a great place to just get some general answers. Um, one question I get in relation to becoming an NDTR is what type of education do you need? So a lot of people don't know this, but it's actually a pretty rigorous program. And in, there's a couple of different pathways to become an NDTR, but at a minimum, an NDTR needs to complete an accredited program by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. If you're not familiar with the Academy, uh, most medical or health professions have kind of an overarching governing uh, body that looks over them. Um, if you're familiar with like doctors and kind of their path, uh, 
they respond to different academies um, and their guidelines as well. So uh, the one for nutrition is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And um, they kind of set the requirements for programs um, for to become a dietitian or to become a diet tech. And this program requires a certain amount of practice hours. Um, this is kind of similar to like clinicals or um, if you're going to be a therapist, you need a certain number of hours to get into a program or the next step of a program. Very similar um, career pathway for diet techs and dietitians. Um, and then along with that, there is a certification exam that must be passed um, and continuing education credits that must be completed every couple years to keep your, uh, I don't know if it's called a license, but basically your certification active. So I believe I've done an episode on this. Uh, I will link it in the show notes. It's, I think it's episode two. It's um, one of the very beginning ones, obviously. And I talk about the, the difference in education pathways and um, the differences between like a dietitian and an NDTR and a nutritionist. So if that interests you and is piquing your interest, I will link that in the show notes for you. Um, I need to keep track. I should keep a running list of all the things I say I'm going to link. So far, I think it's the about page and the free resource library and um, our our episode here on <laughs> the differences between a diet tech and a dietitian. So uh, again, if if I forget one, let me know, but I'll try to listen back to this and include all the things that you need. Okay. Uh, another question I get asked all the time. People often mistake me for a dietitian, which I'm very flattered, but um, I get asked a lot if a diet tech and a dietitian are the same thing. Um, the answer is no. I am a diet tech and not a dietitian. What I usually tell people as an easy way to remember it is the dietitian is kind of like the top dog and the diet tech works just under them, kind of in tandem with the um, dietitian. Uh, the NDTR is the diet tech and the RD, the registered dietitian, is the dietitian. So the, the main difference between a diet tech and a dietitian is that a dietitian must complete a dietetic internship. So this is kind of an extra step. Um, the educational path can be pretty similar, but once uh, a 2B dietitian graduates from their accredited program, they also have to do an internship and pass a, pass a certification exam. Sorry, my dog's making noise in the background. <laughs> She's joining us for this episode. You hear some... She, I don't know, she's asleep and then she just decided to wake up and join us. So <laughs> I guess we're glad to have her. <laughs> um, okay, they also, so RDs also must complete continuing education uh, credits to hold an active license in their state of practice. So um, pretty similar, but they are different. There's a lot of overlap and similarities in uh, career path. But once you get to actual practice, uh, diet techs and dietitians have different responsibilities. So again, the episode, um, episode two of the podcast on uh, the differences between a diet tech and a dietitian can help you kind of understand the differences. All right, last question. And I, this is kind of a follow up question from the the other two that we just did, but I always get asked, and this one surprises me, what's better, becoming a dietitian or a diet tech? Uh, I think there are pros and cons to both. For me, becoming an NDTR was just a very natural career path for me. It made sense for my life. Um, in general, NDTRs are more familiar with technical tasks of the field, such as screening and assessment. So if that's where your heart lies, that would be a great place to be. Uh, dietitians are more qualified to do um, the more intense, I think, parts of the uh, nutrition care process, which are evaluation, diagnosis, um, and you can even prescribe certain interventions. Uh, 
during the nutrition therapy process. So the great thing about both is both are considered experts in the field. Uh, it just kind of depends on what you want to do. And for me, being an NDTR is super fulfilling. I talked about this a lot. Um, I didn't necessarily know it was a career path when I started my training. I was intending on becoming a dietitian, but have just fallen in love with being a diet tech. And that's literally why every fourth episode of this podcast is about being an NDTR. Um, and if you don't know, I mentor NDTRs. It's something that I'm really passionate about. So when people ask me which is better, I think honestly, both can be such fulfilling careers. And there's a place for everyone in the field. And I'm glad it's becoming kind of a more diverse place with different stories. And um, but there's so many different people because everyone's different and everyone eats differently. And just the more experts we can get that can empathize with that, the better. So all right. I'm kind of proud of us. We ended around the 20 minute mark. So again, I'm so sad I won't be seeing you guys until September, but I feel like I just needed a little break and I'm really glad to, I'm going to spend the time and really kind of plot out what I want to do for season two. I've enjoyed this podcast and doing things like this way more than I thought. And I also miss, um, I haven't been blogging on my own blog as recently, so hopefully I can get a good schedule set aside Hopefully my dog on the next one decides not to be pacing in the background, but I hope you guys have an amazing summer. Um, one reason I want to take a break too is just because I want, I don't know, for me, I wanted to be more present and I felt like um, the podcast was taking up a little of my time with my family and just for self-care and things. And so I hope you guys get that much needed time as well to focus. And I am so excited to see you in a couple months. And um, again, if you're missing the podcast, you can look back at old episodes. Let me know what you think. You can always contact me via my contact page, which is onyweeks.com slash contact. Um, and I would just love to hear from you. Love to hear what you loved about this season, what you maybe didn't like so much, what can I can do to improve. Um, and I will see you guys in a couple months. Have a wonderful summer. Bye. Mm-hmm.